Welcome to CareCast, CareNet's podcast on family, faith, and life, with me, Vincent DiCaro, CareNet's Chief Outreach Officer, and Rollin Warren, CareNet's President and CEO. In this episode of CareCast, we're going to be talking about CareNet's brand new Pro-Life 101, a free online course. We're also going to be talking about why pregnancy centers may not be asking the question, where is the guy? And we're also going to be talking about that oft-repeated saying, it takes a village to raise a child, and why we really shouldn't be saying that. And finally, we're going to touch on the tragic Charlie Gard case and how this ties in to the issue of life. All right. Well, Rollin, here we are with another episode of the CareCast podcast. It is, Back again. Yes, it is the heart of summer here in Washington, D.C., Yes. Hot, muggy, uncomfortable, humid, but not here yes. in the conditioned air of our of the nerve center here. Nerve center at Carinet, the, yes. the glass enclosed. Well, nerve yeah, we center. do have glass. We have special glass today. Too. It's amazing. Exactly. We're creating a word picture for the audience. <laughs> that's true. That's that's good radio right there, or that's something. Right. That's right. Um, and so you've got a face for radio. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, good. Excellent. I won't say that to you because you're my boss, but uh, <laughs> the guy who signed your paycheck, don't yeah, yeah. Uh, don't make fun of him. So yeah, we have a lot to talk about because it's been a while since mm-hmm. since our last podcast. A lot of great things going on um and then a lot of uh unfortunately a lot of heavy uh tragic stuff of, of course happening in our culture um and we're going to get to all of that today okay sure. um so at the risk of kind of giving a little commercial here for uh carinet let's give a commercial well, let's give let's give a commercial for carinet but this is something that really is tied in intimately with our mission and our vision um and uh it's our brand new online course called pro-life 101 which we just launched in july uh and really, what this was born out of uh, is, you know, right here in our mission statement, which is hung up on our wall right behind you, um, is this notion that we really want to equip individuals to get engaged in this fight to protect the unborn right, uh, right, and end right. abortion. And Pro-Life 101 is a real tangible way that we're trying to make that happen, uh, to get, you know, individual folks involved in this fight. Because typically, uh, you know, when the pro-life movement has presented solutions or ways for, for individuals to get involved with this uh, in this issue, it's typically been around advocacy and policy. Absolutely, and yeah. Go to this march, vote for this pro-life politician, you know, sign this petition. Those that, kinds of things. Yeah. That sort of stuff. But we really wanted to kind of bring it back around to what Karenet's heart is, literally, uh, which is which is ministry. Yes. Um, and, and really help providing compassion, hope, and help to individuals, right? right. And so Pro-Life 101 is a way for us to, to do that in a real tangible way. And so... Folks have probably heard us talk about or at least seen on our blog or our website our Making Life Disciples curriculum. Pretty amazing resource designed for the church to help exactly. Uh, exactly. get folks within the church to have a, a ministry on-ramp for anyone who's considering abortion, both men and women. And, yep. we, and we think that's really, really important. And, yep. and, and really what Pro-Life 101 is going to do is, is, is going to be a lead-in to that. And it's a free course, which mm-hmm. is amazing. It's yep. a free course. Yep. And it's a lead-in to, to, to uh, Making Life Disciples. Mm-hmm. And it will create this network of mm-hmm. life disciples mm-hmm. who, in our view, will be life advocates. And it will increase the, mm-hmm. what I call the pro-life IQ uh, within the church and within within communities at, at large. Absolutely. So yeah. we're really excited about this mm-hmm. because, you know, our stronghold really is our, our, our strongest uh, ability, so to speak, is, is the mobilization of folks. Mm-hmm. If you think about the other side, I mean, you know, they need facilities in order to do abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, people, you know, 
can go outside of facilities. Mm-hmm. They can connect pe- with people in Starbucks mm-hmm. or anywhere, the highways, their home, the highways, it is, anywhere. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so our biggest our biggest uh, opportunity here is really mobilizing this army of, of, mm-hmm. of folks mm-hmm. who are life affirming and mm-hmm. to get them educated to the point that they feel comfortable engaging folks in the broader culture mm-hmm. to offer compassion, hope, and help to anyone who's considering abortion. That's right. So so it's it's a very very exciting initiative. It's free. Again, anyone mm-hmm. can get access to that, and yep. then you can tell them how they can kind of get connected to it. Yeah, the, the best way is to to go uh, go to care-net.org, and there will be a link there to get to the registration for Pro-Life 101, which is the name of the course. You can sign up for free, and you'll immediately start. You'll get session one in your inbox right away. And how many, uh, how many sessions are there's, there? So there's six sessions, which yeah. will be delivered to you once a week over the course of six weeks, mm-hmm. um, along with some other information along the way to kind of keep you engaged and informed and giving you ideas on how to put your new knowledge into practice even before you finish the course. Uh, but we really designed the course to be a six-week experience. And again, uh, like as you mentioned, it's taking basically the first chapter out of Making Life Disciples, which is a six-chapter uh, course, taking that first chapter and delivering it for free to your inbox. So really high quality production. You get Video, you get videos. Yeah, yeah. You get uh, a handbook that you can uh, pages of our handbook that you can print out and take yeah. notes on. So this is you know the top quality stuff here. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to again make sure that folks could really kind of get a taste of what this making life disciples. Uh, curriculum is all about by doing that first chapter entirely for free on our on our website. Yeah, and I want to just stress again the fact that it's very, very high quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it video the way this mm-hmm. engage uh, the way mm-hmm. it engages folks. Yeah, uh, and some people may be familiar with Focus on the Family's Truth Project, mm-hmm. which is a pretty significant initiative yeah, that they huge. did. Yeah. We use the same production company, right, right, to do this project. Yeah. So if you've yeah. seen the quality of that. Yeah. That's what we're talking about here as well. So Absolutely. It's an amazing way to yeah. increase your pro life IQ. Yeah, and 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 as we as we mentioned, uh, you know, this is part of our mission. This is really about getting individuals equipped and engaged and inspired uh, to turn their pro life passion into action. And yeah. in, I think a way that they've never really been given the opportunity to do before. Yep, I'm excited about uh, this it. Is, it's a brand. It's a really a brand new way to turn that passion into action. Um, and sort of a preview of coming attractions here. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to be soon launching a way for those those folks and others, of course, the folks who take Pro-Life 101 and anyone who's really interested in kind of getting personally equipped and then equipping their church. Uh, we're going to be launching a platform that's going to allow folks to do that in terms of mobilizing and organizing their community around this Making Life Disciples uh, initiative. So that's going to be a web-based platform that's going to be coming in, in very soon. Uh, probably by end of August, September, depending on when folks are listening to this, that could actually already be the case. So, of course, always go to care-net.org for those kinds of updates yeah. where you'll see that information posted. And, and that's key to an objective that we've mm-hmm. talked about quite a bit, which mm-hmm. is that we want a 1,000 churches by 2020 mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. have a pregnancy care ministry, a Making Life Disciples ministry within their church so that they have the ability to meet folks in the church who are at risk for abortion with compassion, hope, and help. So there's a ministry on-ramp for that, but also mm-hmm. so that pregnancy centers have a, a mechanism and a, and a ministry where they can they can hand clients from the pregnancy center, where they get evangelism, mm-hmm. to the church for ongoing discipleship. And as you know, the Great mm-hmm. Commission is not for us to make converts, which is what pregnancy centers have the amazing ability to do, but to make disciples. Mm-hmm. That's a long-term process, which really is going to require folks to be connected into mm-hmm. uh, their local church and to have that church body walk alongside them and, and to really fulfill the Great Commission. And, and I'm really excited about it because what this really does is it connects the life issue 
to the discipleship issue. So every good work that Christians do, everything that we do, mm-hmm. is supposed to be connected to discipleship. The mm-hmm. equal sign should be discipleship. Mm-hmm. And I think in so many ways, people see that with other good works that Christians do, like mm-hmm. water for the thirsty, mm-hmm. you know, food for the hungry, clothes for the naked. We all see those good mm-hmm. works, so to speak, mm-hmm. as to what end? Well, to the end of discipleship in terms of equaling discipleship. Mm-hmm. But you know, unfortunately, a lot of times when people think about the life issue and think about abortion and, and addressing it, they don't see it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. They don't see it as an on-ramp to discipleship. They'll view it maybe through a material lens, like, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of material support does that young lady need? And, and kind of frame the issue from a material perspective mm-hmm. as opposed to framing the issue as, oh, no, we need to be looking at that through the lens of discipleship. So when you see a young lady facing an unplanned pregnancy and a guy who's connected to that, you should look at that woman and say, she needs to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And when you think about that baby growing inside of her, you say, well, that child needs to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And you would think about the man who got her pregnant. You think, ah, that man needs to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Right. So all mm-hmm. of our good work, mm-hmm. all of our good work mm-hmm. should be framed from a perspective of discipleship yeah. Yeah. and making life disciples is designed to do that. Yes. And then to kind of close kind of where we where we began, uh-huh. Pro-Life 101 mm-hmm. is kind of the first step and it's mm-hmm. a free step yeah. that you can take, take to help you start moving that way and yep. thinking that way about the life issue. Absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant way to close that yeah, out. Yeah. Cool. Um, Good stuff. So yeah, that's exciting stuff. So um, so let's 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 talk about a, a kind of a little change of gears here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you told me a story recently that I just found to be very interesting um, uh-huh. about uh, you were in church and your your pastor started relaying the story about the woman caught in adultery. Oh yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then he made a comment about. The guy who yeah. she was caught with. So t- yeah. tell that story quickly. Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. It had a couple happened a couple of years ago, and I've never forgotten it. But my pastor was, you know, was you know giving that sermon and telling that sermon. It's a very well known story. The woman caught in adultery. You know, folks bring her to Jesus. Obviously, a lot of Pharisees and and, and clearly a group of men mm-hmm. uh, bring her to bring her to Jesus. Uh, and she's caught in the act of adultery. So you got to believe that you know, frankly, she's just kind of so vulnerable mm-hmm. and and she's there probably crying the scene that's there it's amazingly you know sort of disgraceful kind of thing mm-hmm. and she's brought to before Jesus and you know one of the things my pastor said and I've heard others say this too but it just kind of struck me anew when I heard him say I said and I know that you know you ladies in the audience are thinking saying where's the guy and you know and then folks in the audience you're know, kind of like yeah where's the guy that kind of thing and he went on and told the rest of the story. And, and I kind of stopped on that whole notion of where's the guy? Mm-hmm. Because I started to think about, like, why were they wondering where the guy was? Mm-hmm. And why was this, like, notion of, like, where is the guy? Yeah, where's the guy? That kind of a thing. And I thought, there's only three reasons that you can ask where's the guy. Mm-hmm. And only one of them's good, actually. <laughs> the, the first reason mm-hmm. is, well, you know that this woman deserves to be stoned. Right. Um, because that's what the law said. And she's right. brought before Jesus. And you're asking, you know, where's the guy? And if you view her as sort of the victim in this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then you're wondering where the guy is. Because if she's the victim, then he's the victimizer. Right, right. Right? The perpetrator. And yeah. so you want the guy there so you can stone him mm-hmm. and let her go free. Right. But the Bible says that, you know, she was caught in the act of adultery. Right, right. right. right? So that means that she was a willing participant. Mm-hmm. So, so that could be it, but I doubt that that's it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, another reason you could be asking is because you know what the law says. The law says that those caught in the act of adultery should be stoned, mm-hmm. which means the woman gets stoned and the man gets stoned. Mm-hmm. So you're happy 
mm-hmm. to, to have the law fulfilled, you're not concerned about the woman being there. You're just wanting to where's the guy so that when she gets stoned, he, he also gets, gets stoned. He right. also gets, everyone needs to get stoned. Everyone yeah. needs to yeah. get stoned. Right. So they both get stoned. Right. That yeah. could be the reason. I right. suspect that that's probably not what folks were thinking. That's when they, probably not yeah. what folks are thinking when they're ask when they're asking where where the guy is either. Mm-hmm. And the third reason you could be asking where's the guy is because you know how the story ends. Right. You know that this woman is going to be forgiven and set free. By Christ himself. By Christ himself. You know that she is going to have mercy right. bestowed upon her. Right. And re- be restored. And be restored. And that Christ is going to say, neither do I condemn you and go and sin no more. And you're asking, where's the guy? Because you want him also to be forgiven and set free. Right. Now, the reaction <laughs> that I had, what I heard from the audience. Yeah. Didn't give me the sense that that was... That's what folks were thinking when they kind of snickered and applauded about, hey, where is that guy? Yeah. But that's the only reason why you should be asking, where's the guy? That's right. Because you want that guy to experience the mercy that the woman experienced as well. And and the reason why that kind of locked into my head is because I think a lot about the work that we do Mm -hmm. in in, in the pregnancy center world. Mm -hmm. And one of the big challenges has been to engage the guys. Mm -hmm. And so much of our model has really been about going... After the woman, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and essentially trying to, with the love of Christ and the grace of Christ, saying, neither do I condemn you, but go in sin no more. But the right. guy's not there. Right. And so in, in an ironic way, I suppose, for pregnancy center ministries, the, the question is sort of the other side of the coin, which is, why aren't we asking, yes. where's the guy? Yes. As often as we need to be. Now, obviously, this is happening more and more. More and more pregnancy centers are starting to do amazing work to engage men. Uh, but clearly, it's nearly not at the same level as they're, do- they're doing to, to engage women. Um, and, and one of the things that you said that's always kind of stuck with me is that, uh, you know, pregnancy centers do an amazing job of sort of, you know, kind of bringing this, you know, into sort of the, the vision of sort of the holy family, Mary and yeah, Joseph yeah. and the birth of Jesus, is that uh, pregnancy centers do an amazing job of really sort of uh, helping women aspire to kind of the virtues of of Mary and kind yeah. of holding her up as that model. Yes. She chose life and that, you know, under difficult circumstances and that sort of thing. But we don't often kind of give that same grace to the guy. Yeah. You, you often the assumption about the guy that got her pregnant is that he's probably not a very good guy. You know, he's maybe dangerous, but you know, if we're willing to kind of overlook a lot of the things that the woman might've done to yeah. ascribe to her, the virtues of Mary, then shouldn't we be willing to ascribe the virtues of Joseph to that guy, or at least help him aspire to become that. Yeah. Uh, so again, it, it kind of comes back to this question is, why aren't we asking where the guy is? Yeah. And sort of the bad reason <laughs> for that is that we know what we're about to do for this woman in yes. this pregnancy center. We're going to restore her and help her choose life. And we're unwilling to bring the guy into that process to exactly. have him have the same thing happen. Yeah. Which is not a very good, good reason to not be asking where the guy not is. Not a very good yeah. reason. Yeah. And frankly, from, I mean, from a ministry perspective, certainly in terms of the transformation that needs to happen mm-hmm. there, it makes sense. But just practically, in terms of just the data, because mm-hmm. what we know from our LifeWay survey is when we surveyed women who had had abortions, and we asked them, who did they talk to about their decision to abort? And we gave them a list of folks, their, their, their doctor, a medical professional, abortion provider, their mother, their father, their girlfriend, their best friend, all these different folks, mm-hmm. and the father of the child. And what we found was that the person they talked to the most was, guess who? The father of the child. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then we asked them, who was the most influential in her decision not to abort? Mm-hmm. Excuse mm-hmm. me, her decision to abort, right. rather. Right, right, right. And guess who it was? 
It's the father of the child. Mm -hmm. Therefore, (laughs) if you're really interested in making sure that women understand the life-affirming option Mm -hmm. and that they don't abort, Mm -hmm. then the most important influencer is... The father of the child. The guy. Yep. So you should be asking, where's the guy anyway? Right, exactly. (laughs) Even without the kind of ministry model, just from a a, a, a business perspective, so to speak, a logical perspective, that this guy is a key influencer, and I want to engage the key influencer, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because that person can then be an advocate for life, or can be an advocate for death. Right. And, yep. and, and and that's what we haven't been doing. Like, to your point, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, this is about ascribing the virtue, uh, you know, an aspirational perspective mm-hmm. of ascribing the virtue of Joseph, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, to the character to the, of Joseph, the yeah. character of Joseph, mm-hmm. whatever. And again, you yeah. know, if you look at the story of Joseph, I mean, when Joseph got the news, mm-hmm. you know, about Mary's pregnancy, you know, he was going to put her away quietly. Right. 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 So. You know, so in many ways, he had sort of the same dilemma mm-hmm. as any abortion-minded man. He had hopes and dreams and aspirations for his life mm-hmm. that did not include a child at this time and in this way. Mm-hmm. And he was going to put her away co- quietly. What does that sound like? Well, right, right, it's right, a right, cultural right. abortion. Right, and the right, angel right. came to him and said, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The angel said, where's the guy? Right. <laughs> came to him and said, no, I need yeah. you to be a husband to her and a father to the child growing inside of her. Yeah, yeah. So that's why they, although they experienced an unplanned pregnancy from a human perspective, it wasn't a crisis pregnancy mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they yeah yeah they created a family yeah and, and you know a lot some of the I, sh- I won't say a lot some a very mi- a small minority of the feedback that we've gotten around this notion has been you know that this focus on men and fatherhood and marriage and all this stuff is sort of a distraction right from the the goal of saving the life of the child but all of what you just said and what we've been talking about here is exactly why it is not it's Far from a distraction. I mean, this is central. If you really are interested in saving the life of that child, you absolutely have to be concerned with and engaged in things like fatherhood and marriage because they're not sort of tangential, nice if we get to them sort of issues. I mean, they are direct contributors to this crisis that we're seeing. Absolutely. Um, And why do you think the other side wants to exclude him? I mean, just just the reverse (laughs) thing. They don't want to exclude him because it hurts their perspective. They want to exclude him because it helps their perspective. Mm -hmm. That's why they want to focus on her body and her choice. Right. Isolate her. Isolate her. Yes. Right. And what we want to do is we want to surround her. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what Satan does when he wants to get us to basically take anything that God's given us and use it for a purpose that's not consistent with God's design, mm-hmm. be it our sexuality, our money, anything. Mm-hmm. He wants to isolate us. Right. Right? And 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 what we want to do is surround her with the support, with the support that she needs. So Absolutely. on so many different levels, mm-hmm. we need to be saying, where's the guy? Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I will say on that is that it, it also means that our ministry can't just be a receiving ministry. Mm-hmm. It also has to be a retrieving ministry. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and that's where it gets hard, and messy. that's where it gets hard, right? Because it's a lot easier to be a receiver than a, re- a mm-hmm. retriever. Right, you right, get what right. I'm saying? Yeah. So the ministry can receive the woman facing unplanned pregnancy. She comes, mm-hmm. but in terms of getting the guy, mm-hmm. you got to have a retriever mindset. Mm-hmm. And again, follow, go out and get him. Yep. Go out and get him. And you see that also played out in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Most of the situations where you see women who are connected with Christ. In a lot of cases, you don't even know how they got connected. Mm-hmm. They just followed. Mm-hmm. He just received them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The woman with the issue of blood, and mm-hmm. various, mm-hmm. right? Just received them. But look at the stories of the men. Mm-hmm. He was retrieving. Yeah. Peter, hey, you. Yeah, he had to make, go out and get them. Yep. I want to make you a fisherman. 
follow me. You, Zacchaeus, mm. come down to the tree. We're going to have a power lunch. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, you see what I'm saying? So, right, right. so there's a retrieving piece that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And that is particularly important mm-hmm. when it comes to men. Mm-hmm. Particularly important when it comes to men. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure that we have a receiving ministry, but also a retrieving ministry. Mm-hmm. If we're going to have a pro-abundant life perspective Absolutely. that includes not just saving the baby, as God-honoring as that is, mm-hmm. and it's important as that is, but also about raising the child and trying to ensure to the best of our ability that the child doesn't just have life, but they have abundant life as God designed, con- connected to John 10, 10. Yeah, and so yeah. all this family yeah. stuff that we talk about is connected, yeah, is connected, it's connected to that. into all that. And speaking of family, yes. the next topic we wanted to talk about was, um, and you blogged about this recently, um, there's a very popular saying out there mm-hmm. that probably everyone who's listening has heard uh, probably many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a village to raise a child. Right. And I think for most folks, they sort of think that that's, you know, that's a nice saying. It's probably true to some extent. And, yeah. um, you know, it, sound, it sounds good. Right, uh, right. But, you know, we, we've been arguing actually for many years, <laughs> right. uh, going back to our work at National Fatherhood Initiative even, even uh, that this saying actually has sort of a uh, uh, kind of an underhanded sort of pernicious mm-hmm. uh, foundation um, right. that a lot of folks don't really think about. Um, but when you start to kind of unpack this whole it takes a village to raise a child thing, um, it has a kernel of truth in it, but it's really used in a lot of ways to cover up a lot of very unpleasant things. Right. Um, and namely, really, when folks are using that saying, they're typically using it as a way to undermine the authority of the family. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and the need for the family. The need and authority for the family. And basically replacing it, frankly, with the state. Right. Um, and so... Uh, you know, one of the ways that that, you know, and, and this is kind of a funny thing that you, you say, but, I, you know, uh, it, 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 sticks, it sticks, it's a good kind of sticky way to think about it. Um, you know, you think about medieval times and there was always a village idiot, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Always a village idiot. You know, so I think some of, you know, those old Monty Python movies, have, you know, the village <laughs> idiot doing, doing terrible things. But, yeah. you know, every village has a village idiot or sometimes more than one. Or a group. Uh, right, a group a of team. village idiots. Right? It makes sense. There's a whole community of village they're, they're organized. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, that you want to keep your kids away from. Absolutely. And the whole purpose of the family yeah. is to protect children from village idiots. Yep. Um and, you know, and it kind of sounds funny, but the idea that we're trying to communicate here is that often the village can have values that are, you know, kind of collide with or contradict the values that you might have in your own family. Right. And it's, and it's the role of the family to protect children from, from those, those values that are, that are maybe bad or wrong or evil yep. or whatever they might be. Um, and it's really, I mean, it's, the family should have the right to resist those values when, right. when they're, you know, in direct conflict uh, you know, with with their own, and so and, and when yeah. they're not in the best interest of the child, you right? Know? So you have to think about sort of, you know, that you know your your family is sort of a fence, right? And there's the outer world, and there's the inner world, which is the fence, and where where your where your family is, where your house is, where your child is, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a gate, mm-hmm. you know, and gates have two purposes: one is to keep keep people out, and the other is to let people in. Mm-hmm. And and if if a child doesn't have that kind of support, and they're just in the village, right? I mean, just think about that right. metaphorically, yeah. how dangerous that can be. Yeah. So it really is about making sure that your your child has the values mm-hmm. that are in the best interest of your child, mm-hmm. the best interest of your family, and the best interest of society at large. Right. And that's really what the family has the ability to do, to evaluate mm-hmm. the values that are coming from the village mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe orchestrated by, quote, the village idiot, so mm-hmm. to speak, right? right. right? 
and evaluating those and determining whether you need to be a gateway mm. to those to those 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 kinds of values or whether your the gate needs to be closed. You're a gatekeeper. Gatekeeper in that yep. in that particular mm. in that particular sense. Right. And, and we have, and again, like you said, it's a very subtle thing. It's mm-hmm. kind of a pithy saying. And mm-hmm. certainly with with most of these sayings, there's you know, there's an element of, of, of mm-hmm. truth, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. at some level. But when you unpack them a lot of the times and you get down to the core of what's there, you find that, you know, actually, mm. no, no, this this really isn't about that. We need it's, to think about this in a more nuanced way. A yeah. more nuanced way. And, and you know, and, and the abortion issue is a perfect example of yes. where currently in, you know, America in the year 2017, the village has values that essentially tell women yeah. often that the best and most logical, in fact, sometimes the only choice they could they could make is to, to have an abortion. It's in the best interest of their child that they have an abortion. It's in the best interest of the woman that she has an abortion. And it's in the best interest of the village. Right. It's in the best interest of the because village. Because remember, the village yeah. trades in the best interest of the village. Right, right, right. It doesn't necessarily trade yeah. in the best best interests of the of your family. Right, absolutely. And that kind of leads us to this other piece here about Charlie Gard. <laughs> exactly. As, as probably most of the folks who are listening have heard about the case of Charlie Gard, the, the little boy in, in England who had a kind of a rare disorder that was, uh, you know, basically his muscles, uh, et cetera, were deteriorating. Um, and he was sort of, con- you know, kind of on life support. Um, and his parents uh, found that there was, potentially some alternative treatments that could have been tested on him to try to extend his life or even save his life. Um, And the courts in England and in the European Union both ruled uh, that, no, the parents cannot remove him from the hospital in England um, to to seek out these alternative, um, you know, alternative ways of potentially finding a a treatment and that he basically needs to be removed from life life support and killed. And so... You know, so ideas have consequences. So again, it, you know, it's just an innocent saying. You guys are maybe are we taking this too seriously? This whole thing, right. but you know, this is a real world consequences a consequence of where the yeah. village had values that collided with the values of that family yep. that wanted to save their child's life, and the village won. Yep. And so, it takes a village to kill a child sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's called mob rule. Right, right. You, you exactly. know, that's when the vill- that's when the village turns on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's when the village turns on you and in yeah. this particular case that's exactly what you saw the village turned yeah. turned on this family yeah. and turned on this little boy even mm-hmm. though they again they had the money because mm-hmm. the first issue was well it was going to be too expensive then they raised the money. Mm-hmm. Right. And and the hospital said well we're still not going to let 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 this child go and mm-hmm. the courts went and the court supported the hospital through yep. all of this until they basically passed the window where there was really no opportunity to save the child because with these kinds of illnesses, as with many, there's a window where you have an opportunity for treatment and that window, you know, yeah, window it, passed. It closed, yeah. it closed yeah. because yeah. of the, the time and the delay. And, uh, you know, again, that was the village basically mm-hmm. having a certain set of values mm-hmm. that were in conflict with the valley, mm-hmm. of, of the family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and the village mm-hmm. basically used its power mm-hmm. Uh, mob rule, so to speak, mm-hmm. in this particular case, mm-hmm. in a judicial sense, mm-hmm. uh, to you know overrule the family exactly. and basically control the family, and mm-hmm. ultimately, and that's and the real problem, and the real problem with this is because whenever you have that perspective, mm-hmm. it's always the most vulnerable who are the most at risk, yeah. and mm-hmm. the most vulnerable anywhere are the young ones, mm-hmm. and the most vulnerable of the young ones are the ones who are in the womb, right. Yeah. And and a couple other thoughts that come to mind, too, with this is that, you know, people could argue, well, you know, not all families are loving, not all parents are are loving. They could make mistakes. 
But that assumes that governments and courts can't make mistakes. Exactly. In fact, when governments and courts make mistakes, they typically make them on a much grander scale. People tend to die. When <laughs> right. They right. You know, and so if you think about you know, some of the, the, the worst atroci- atrocities that have ever been committed in the history of humanity, yeah. they've typically been, been carried out by governments that made Government enormous yeah. mistakes that yeah. resulted in the deaths of lots of typically, as you said, innocent uh, innocent people. So sure, families can make mistakes. Families might not always be the most loving, but to, to pretend that courts and governments don't have those same flaws multiplied dramatically is, yes. is, is folly. Um, and then I just wanted to read the statement that um, the, the judge who ruled that Charlie could not be removed from the hospital, um, this, this was his statement. This was his sort of justification for his decision. He said, some people may ask why the court has any function in this process. Why can the parents not make this decision on their own? The answer is that although the parents have parental responsibility, mm-hmm. overriding control is vested in the court, exercising its independent and objective judgment in the child's best interest. So just to summarize what that says, parents have responsibility, but the court has control. Yes. So if... If you, our listeners, aren't shivering at yeah. that, you should be, because yeah. that's really scary stuff. If you if you think about it, and if that's a precedent that is being set, yeah. I mean, and this is not just some court. Some, I mean, this is courts in England and the European Union. Absolutely, have agreed on this point. Absolutely, and, and often we look to the mm-hmm. these these foreign courts mm-hmm. when we think about how we're going to you know adjudicate you know here situations in states, here yeah. in the states and. You know, kind of a shorthand way is, is saying is that the parents have responsibilities, but the parents don't have rights. Right. And that's basically what it came down yeah. to because rights means control. Right. That's control is, you yeah. know, is, is another yeah. word for rights. Mm-hmm. And if you think about how this country was formed, mm-hmm. you know, no taxation without representation, right? right? No responsibilities without rights. Right. That goes to the basic, the building block of this very nation, mm-hmm. what we're talking about. And this ruling and what this judge basically said mm-hmm. undermines the basis for even this this country, right? And ultimately, yeah. in the end, what that means is it's going to limit your freedom. Yeah. And 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 which is what these parents basically they thought they were free. Mm-hmm. They thought they were free. Right. They thought that they that they had you know rights at that came parental rights, mm-hmm. which were kind of t- connected to their biology. This is our child. Mm-hmm. Inalienable you know, rights. Inalienable right? rights. Yeah. And then they found out, oh no no no, actually you don't. You have responsibilities. Right. But yeah. you actually don't have rights. And if you bring that down to a human level, just think yeah. about human behavior. If you yes. say hire someone, <laughs> yes, and you give them a whole lot of responsibilities but absolutely no rights, what does that sound like? Yes, slavery. That sounds like slavery. Absolutely. <laughs> or let's or let's, concentration camps. Right. I think Hitler did the same thing. He gave people lots of responsibility <laughs> in the concentration camp. But no rights. But no rights. And he, he, let's even just talk about an interpersonal relationship. I mean, yeah. if, if you tell somebody that they have a, all these responsibilities that they have to undertake, say, for you, yeah. but they have no rights, I mean, th- is that person really going to take those responsibilities seriously? No. They're like, why, why should I do any of this stuff? And so we're building this culture, literally building a culture where we're telling parents, you have all, the, you have all these responsibilities to your children that cost money, time, commitment, love, all, all these other things. But you have no rights. So logically, that's going to lead to a lot more parents saying, wait a second, this is ridiculous. Why would I do all these things if I have no rights? Exactly. And leads you back to kind of where we started, Mm -hmm. which means now you need the village more than ever. Mm -hmm. Because if I bring... self-perpetuates. Exactly. Because if I bring a child into the world 
and you say I have responsibilities and no rights, mm-hmm. I'll step away and say, well, no, that doesn't seem like a good trade-off. Mm-hmm. I have neither. I wash my hands. Therefore, who's going to be responsible mm-hmm. for raising my child? The village. the village. And therefore, who's going to be responsible for killing my child, as we saw in this case? Mm-hmm. The village. The village. This is yep. a very, very dangerous thing, and mm-hmm. people are not thinking through mm-hmm. the ramifications of this. Yep. They're thinking this is about a whole bunch of other things. It's a, a medical thing. It's not really actually about a medical thing. I mean, it is mm-hmm. in, in ter- because it's a medical situation, but it, it really is unmasking, uh, as you read with, with this mm-hmm. judge's viewpoint, mm-hmm. it's unmasking a much more dangerous mm-hmm. and pernicious perspective that is out there mm-hmm. uh, and that's held by Lots of elites, lots of elites in Europe, and frankly in the United States as well. Yep. And we should be very, very concerned yep. about that. And so here's, yep. so in conclusion, if if you want to believe that it takes a village to raise a child, yes. then you also have to embrace the corollary to that, which is it takes a village to kill a child. Absolutely, you ha- you can't just have one without the other. So if you really want to embrace and buy into this ideology that it takes a village to raise a child, then you also have to be prepared for what happened to Charlie Gard, that the village can then step in overrule your your rights as parents yes. and decide whether or not your child should even live. Is worthy of life or not. Exactly. And so dangerous, dangerous stuff. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. But the good news, of course, is that we always have hope in yes. Jesus Christ and his yes. gospel. And building, you know, a, a, a community and frankly, hopefully a, a very large community uh, of life disciples who yeah. are equipped, who have a pro-abundant life, perspective on this and who are really equipped to address these sorts of issues with compassion, hope, and help. Absolutely. And engaging their neighbors, engaging mm-hmm. folks in their community, engaging folks in their church and the workplace, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and, and helping them understand and see the connection to all these different things mm-hmm. and how, how the life issue, again, mm-hmm. is so connected to so many other things and how your view of that, your worldview around those kinds of things informs everything else that we do. Mm-hmm. And that's why we do what we do, right? Uh, that's indeed why we do what we do. Yeah. So I think that's all we've got for today. Yes. Um, so yeah, we uh, I'm spent. I know, geez, just, that was that was yeah. Was, yeah. I, it was like getting blood from a stone just, there at the end. Just I know. Got it all done. done you're done. done. You're, you're done. But yep. yeah, but that Mics was have been dropped. <laughs> right. We can't. Dropped. We can't drop this mic. That's a very it looks, expensive. It looks mic. pretty. Expensive. And we're a nonprofit. So we, <laughs> we need. You know, we need. We need like a, a, a cheap mic that we, we can drop. Yes. Yeah. So we can hear. So our listeners can hear that thudding sound of the mic exactly, dropping. Exactly. But it's a really cheap mic, not this really expensive. Mic right. Right. Because we can just go and buy another one. So. We'll have our audio guy get on that. So yeah. anyway, um, but I won't give him my credit card though because that would be dangerous. Yeah. So anyway, well, good, good. So uh, thanks for listening again, folks. Again, go to care-net.org to yes. find out about Pro-Life 101. Um, and a lot of the other stuff we've talked about today, we have live chat videos and blog posts about all of these things that go into even more detail than we were able to go in here on the podcast. So again, our website's a great place to get all that. Yep. And thank you for listening. May God bless you daily as you serve him faithfully in all that you do. Amen. Amen. Amen.